Hello there, and welcome to Gooner U. My name is Dove, and my friend Keith is here to bring me up to speed on everything I don't know about soccer and Arsenal. This week featured Arsenal's Premier League match, number 15, versus West Ham United, their first back after the World Cup. Just to let the listeners know, we are traveling this week due to holiday time, right? It's between Christmas and New Year's, and you may notice some audio anomalies. We will do our best to minimize them, but please bear with us. Thank you. Hello, Keith. Hello, Dove, and a happy Boxing Day to you. Happy Boxing Day. <laughs> uh, of course, that is not observed in the U.S., but uh, to all of our listeners, yeah, it's the, the gift exchange day in countries where Christmas is a more somber occasion, I suppose. There, There is something about uh, the idea of presents for servants. There's a very, It's very British, uh, <laughs> the explanation I remember reading about it. There's something about giving gifts on this day. Again, as Americans, I don't, we don't really pay attention to it. But you know what? The, the variety is, <laughs> is the spice of, of life. Well, we don't pay attention to it anymore. I actually learned about Boxing Day in Colonial Williamsburg during a childhood visit there in Williamsburg, Virginia, where it's set up like the colonial America. Um, so back then, when we were still a British colony, <laughs> at least then it was celebrated in America. Ah, uh, yes. I don't know when so we stopped. <laughs> so you're saying, well, so you're saying we fought a revolution not to care about this holiday, and yet here we are. <laughs> Of course. <laughs> so uh, quickly, just a little follow up on last week's episode. Uh, the Simpsons episode that we were referring to, you listed as the three potential countries involved, Bolivia, Mexico and Portugal. And you definitely got two out of three. It was Mexico versus Portugal. So, yeah. <laughs> so we, we still love you, Bolivia. <laughs> yeah, let's see. Vamos, vamos, vamos los verdes. I'm still going to I still follow them for 26. We'll see. <laughs> We'll be rooting for them in the qualification part. <laughs> so um, there's no news I'm aware of for the week. So let's move on to the return of Arsenal, the triumphant return of Arsenal to to Premier League play versus West Ham. What what a match it was. Mm-hmm. Good. This is. It took. They were a little slow getting going at, at points, but but uh, they uh, th- they did not look any worse for the wear after the time off. Yeah, you know, it was it was weird to me. I almost feel like that. <laughs> tell, tell me if I'm completely off base here, but it's like that goal from Saka that ended up getting pulled back because of what was to me a, a dubious offsides call. You'll have to explain that one to me. But I wonder if that just kind of like took the wind out of their sails. I, I had the feeling that was four or five minutes in. I, I had a feeling that it was going to be a really strong outing from them, and then I started doubting that throughout the rest of the first half. <laughs> I, I I don't know that it was that. I thought I, I mean I thought in the first half West Ham did pretty well. They did a they did a really good job packing the box. You're going to see a lot of that. We saw some of that you know back in the first half of the season where they really mm-hmm. packed the box, didn't give us a lot of space. We did much better I thought in the first half today than we did in some of the well really this season than say in years past. They would call it the horseshoe of death where we you know make all of these passes around the box but never really penetrate into the box and we were doing much more to get in there they were blocking a lot of shots but the, the point is we were putting ourselves in a position to get things uh going and you know once once the dam broke it broke right and it broke wide open <laughs> <laughs> So, yeah, um, let's get back to that offsides call for a minute, though. Can you explain to me what happened there? Because even after watching the replay multiple times and listening to the commentary on it, I still wasn't clear what sequence of events led to that being offsides. So the original the original pass goes into goes into Saka. He's on. Well, it's, it's heading towards Saka. 
Mm-hmm. Uh, the ball ends up on the foot of oh, I, I'm just totally blanking on who it was that it went to. The, I think um, they said Enkedia. It was a bounce off of yeah, Enkedia that caused it to be offside. Well, yeah. it, it, the ball goes to Enkedia. Enkedia is offside. What they're saying is the pass was intended for Saka, and he kind of misses it. And they're saying it skipped off his heel because he was the last player to touch it. Enkedia is offside. Because Saka's the last player to touch it, that's what made it offside. It was, I mean, the, the the most you could say I think is that in looking at it, he, um, in looking at it, that the ball maybe doesn't actually hit Saka, and that it shouldn't have been called that way. I mean, I think it's razor thin. It's hard. The problem is, of course, they call it offside on the field, and then once the flag's up, he, the play's dead. Um, Mm-hmm. So, or at least are the you know maybe the referees looking for it? You could argue the play was there. There, um, that's what they called in the field. I don't know the replay sees enough to um, to overturn that. So, right, okay. So, um, yeah, I mean, so they they obviously came back strong as strong as ever in their second half, and uh, to put to bed any concerns I may have had about you know, missing Jesus. I mean, obviously we still want him back and we're looking forward to his recovery, but wow, three goals from three different kickers. That was, that was really something to see. And all three on the forward line. And that's kind of what we're going to need. They, they, they had some talk about Eddie and Ketty at, at halftime, which I thought was a little, I thought was a little kind of ridiculous. I thought he was okay. I mean, you could argue he, he didn't do a, didn't make the best decisions on the chances he had in the first half, but overall I thought he played fine. You know, it's 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 not really a major criticism of the guy to say he's not Gabriel Jesus, but you know he's going to have to step up a little bit. And and it's Saka and Martinelli, and then hopefully eventually Smith Rowe comes back for injury. And those guys are going to be the ones. You know, they're they're collectively going to have to pick up that slack um, right. offensively, which <laughs> Bukayo Saka and Gabriel Martinelli score goals. This is what they've been doing all season, so I don't feel right. too too bad about that. So what is the latest with Smith Rowe? I haven't heard anything about him in a while. Uh, there was some commentary on him earlier. Arteta, clearly he's, um, oh, I'm just trying to remember where I found it. it clearly he's, uh, let's see if I pull this up. Um, uh, this is this was him a couple days ago. Emil is close. He is starting to train again. He had a little setback, but he is in a good place. So it seems that he's he, his recovery has been a little slow. There was clearly a setback at some point. So mm-hmm. presumably he'll be back soonish. But he was uh, not there today, right? Uh, as we as we saw. Um, interesting to see Tierney start in place of Zinchenko, although. Tierney had a had a rough day physically. <laughs> yes, um, he got knocked around quite a bit. <laughs> yeah, but Zinchenko came on. Honestly, the biggest surprise I saw was was Saliba getting the start. I mean, you know, a week ago he was on the field with, or he was on the bench at least for France. You know, as they lose the World Cup final. Uh, but yeah, obviously he. I think they said he played something like thirty minutes in the World Cup. He played part of one, one game. Right, and so. You know, he certainly was was you know was not in the same kind of physical shape as if he had been, you know, someone like Saka who played a, a long who played a lot of England's minutes, right? Uh, but then again, he also is the one who gave up the penalty. I'm curious what you think. I've heard, I've seen some people making comments about the penalty. I'm curious what you thought about the penalty he gave away to, that led to West Ham's uh, only goal. Yeah, so so it's kind of interesting with that. So. It, it was fun. My parents were watching the match live, as was I this time. Uh, it being a holiday, we were we were all off from work and able to watch it together. So I had them on a call while I was watching it. 
and um my mom had asked me a question and I was explaining something about the, the game of soccer to her. And the penalty occurred during my explanation. So I wasn't really paying attention. I, I missed the replays, but what's, what's funny though, is I noticed, so this may be the only Arsenal match I've watched live all the way through on, on Peacock. And what, what I thought was really cool is when the match is over, they show in a little, area underneath a timeline where you would like skip forward or backward mm. they have a collection of the highlights then they're all labeled very nicely so and so scores a goal to bring it to one nil so and so scores a goal to bring it to two one shot attempt uh, penalty kick whatever, whatever it was they have all those labeled and you can just watch exactly that moment replayed so i did watch the penalty over again after the game was over because i was curious about that i had to do something during during halftime so i didn't see the replays <laughs> they surely played there so <laughs> so i did watch it and i don't know it was one of those penalties where i, I think it it certainly wouldn't have ever been a yellow card or anything i think he did kind of <laughs> tripped the guy it's like he knocked his foot enough to knock him off balance that he ended up falling later i don't think it was an egregious foul but i don't really disagree with it being called a foul and it happened in the penalty box so so that's the way it goes that that was kind of how i felt about it what, what did you think um i mean I, I kind of agree i i, I mean i you know the, the contact is pretty minimal mm -hmm. i think i think the big thing for me is is saliba gets beat and he makes what is what is to be fair a reckless challenge uh, sort of throwing himself in and i i think what happens there is you put yourself in a place where you let you give the referee an opportunity to make that decision and that's just you're, you're you know i'm not it's not saying it is or wasn't a penalty but you're letting the referee make a call there and that's that's a tough place to be. You know, you, mm -hmm. you put yourself in that position. So, yeah. So, yeah, that was, that was probably the most controversial part of the match. I think everything else was pretty much as, as expected. I don't think there were any tough calls. It was all, I, I guess there, there was the one near handball, which definitely looked like it. And I could see why the ref and the players would have thought that and, as it happened live, because the ball was going up and it all of a sudden went down, which yeah. usually it's only the hand that would do that. But yes, yeah, I mean, the defender's got his hand up, obviously, yeah. it, you know, it, it, up question, in a weird position. Yeah. Right. I mean, the, and the, the phrase is always, uh, you know, the arm is in an unnatural position. So that's, you know, if a guy has his arms you know, next to his body and it hits him, that's not a penalty. But if you, you're sticking them out, uh, you know, even if it hits you on accident, sorry, your hand's out. Sorry, that's, mm -hmm. that's a penalty. So, But yeah, as, as soon as the VAR loop started playing, it was very clear. Oh, yeah, that's his head. Yeah. <laughs> so took, the right call good... there was it was disappointing in the moment, but you couldn't fault him for it. And, uh, and he took a pretty good shot, too. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, that, nice that couldn't have been him, fun. <laughs> nice to see him get up. Right. <laughs> so, but yeah, so uh, just a, a minor question, a couple minor questions that, that occurred during the match. So, uh, first of all, I missed, I came in just seconds before the kickoff. And so I saw there was some kind of memorial for George Cohen and they were wearing the black armbands, presumably for him. Do you know who mm -hmm. he was? Um, I, I, I missed the first couple of minutes. I had to look this up. Uh, Cohen, I saw, was a... Uh, was a right back who spent his en entire professional career with Fulham, which is kind of impressive. But the real reason he the reason he was knighted and mm -hmm. the reason uh, that he was being remembered is he died on December 23rd. So a couple of days ago, 
and he was a member of England's uh, 1966 World Cup team. Oh, okay. So that he is, he was one of those, one of their players. Uh, there, he um, uh, was, he was vice captain apparently in the final against West Germany. So, now was that a year that they won? Yes, '66 oh, okay. is England's one World Cup. They won it. The England hosted it. They won at Wembley. They beat West Germany. All right. And the other thing, as I was watching the match, <laughs> I didn't recall this. I'm sure you'll know off the top of your head, but uh, when they were talking about Parday, and I was, I didn't remember it saying Thomas on his jersey. Everyone still calls him Parday or Thomas Parday or Party. Um, did his jersey always say Thomas? Uh, yeah, it's, he's always had okay. that. It's, it's interesting you'll see players pick a lot of times what appears in terms of their name. I believe uh, uh, Cedric Suarez, I believe, goes by Cedric on his. Uh, there's actually a guy, he's he's an American, he's from Texas, but he plays for New York City. His his name's Keaton Parks, but he he puts Keaton on his shirt. So mm-hmm. th- there there is a lot of leeway in terms of what gets put on there. Like we've talked about uh, Martinelli or G. Jesus or Gabriel. Right. Or, so there's, there is some leeway in terms of that. But yes, uh, Parties has always said Thomas. Okay, yeah, I just didn't remember. So the, <laughs> I guess that's what happens when, when they take a month off in the middle of the season. <laughs> it, it, this is weird. I mean, on one hand, this is when it's, it's Boxing Day. They're supposed to play the day after Christmas, but it, 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 they, you haven't seen them for a month. And they pointed out, I think this was, this was Arsenal's first home game since, I think they said, October 30th. I, it was it really yeah. quite incredible that they haven't played at home, a home game since Halloween. Right. So yeah, it was it was uh it was great watching them again. I mean, after the contrast from the World Cup, for me the the biggest thing was just a team full of players all of whose names I know and can identify easily. It was uh it was like rejoining some old friends. It was it was fun. Yeah, it's a it's a very interesting kind of kind of sense to it. I mean, it, it, it is almost like a, a it is a restart to the season, of course, but there's kind of a, a strange Re, you know restarting of the season mm-hmm. um it does feel a little bit like a new season which we don't really want a new season yet because this one so far is going pretty well right um, <laughs> we don't want to do are, over <laughs> yeah we're now i think we're seven points clear of newcastle yes uh who is in third place he's in second place for now but that's because manchester city doesn't play until uh wednesday where i'm they it seems likely they're gonna play they're playing leads i you know the odds are against them dropping points but you never know uh tottenham dropped points earlier today so uh overall overall yeah we're we're sitting we we will be in first place uh when when 2023 begins which is a pretty wild thing to say so that's interesting with tottenham i wonder how much of it has to do with post world cup psyche issues on yeah i didn't see any of their game i don't know really what happened to them um you know the it, 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 that's that's really the big question is how it's going to how it's going to affect guys who are there. I mean, we talked about physically, also mentally, psychologically. Uh, obviously, we've talked about Harry Kane uh, and, and Hugo Lloris is their mm-hmm. is their keeper who's there for France. I wonder too what it's going to do for for a guy. You know, I mean, I I thought he was the best player on the field today for for Arsenal was was Martin Odegaard, who yeah, of course didn't go to the World Cup because Norway. Uh, did right. not qualify so he's had a month to sort of, he's had a month to sit there and 
watch watch other people play in this <laughs> major competition he obviously wants to be in he, he is norway's captain so it would have been it would have played a, a substantial role he gets to sit and watch which yeah, of course i'm sure is driving him crazy so you got to think this is a real opportunity for him to really take you know really take control again and do something hopefully something pretty impressive yeah, he, he had a really strong role in, in this match. He had a couple unfortunate uh, close calls where it didn't quite go in. But, you know, was, uh, he, he was moving the ball really well. Uh, really, yeah, uh, his presence was uh, <laughs> a major contributing factor. It was, it was good. I mean, he was good. Um, I mean, most honestly, I think like probably the weakest player all day was Saliba, and it's only because of the penalty. Otherwise, I thought Saliba played pretty well mm-hmm. <laughs> overall. Um you know, in a game like this, you're sort of nitpicking guys' flaws. Right. So, you know, it's it, it's uh and you know, West Ham West Ham's an interesting one. They, there's some talent on that team. I mean, uh Declan Rice is a really nice player. Uh, you know, Mikel Antonio, uh you saw there up top is a is a real difficult player to deal with. Um but they're sitting they just haven't been able to make it click this year and they're sitting there down in the 16th uh, down near the bottom of the league. Oh maybe so. yeah maybe after the end of this match uh, they entered it in 14th I believe. Yeah they're uh, yeah they're they're down they're down near the bottom which is is kind of a surprise really. Yeah. Um so it, I, you know it's one of those wins that doesn't it may not seem so great but I I'm really happy about it especially given some of the stuff we have coming up in the early part of January it gets it gets pretty intense pretty quickly over the next over the rest of the month. Actually, January looks pretty looks pretty interesting. Yeah, and that's before we even talk about transfers. Right, yeah, we still got a little time before we have to cover that. I think, right? Well, uh, the window opens January first, so right. the, the the window is the month of January, and there are rumors out that Arsenal has put in a put in a bid for a uh, a Ukrainian player. Uh, named Mikhailo Mudrik, hmm. uh, plays at Ukrainian club Shakhtar Donetsk. Um, we'll see what that eventually looks like, and whether that deal eventually goes through. But that's a name to keep an eye on uh, yeah. for Arsenal. And they're probably going to have to bring in some. Pe- they're pro- they're going to look to bring in one or two players. Probably, I, in a sense, they may have to bring in somebody who can play center forward. Uh, not. Mostly because Eddie and Ketia just physically can't do it <laughs> for every game that we have come we'll mm-hmm. have eventually coming up. It's just I think for the month of January we'll be okay. Because but if you know they're talking about I've heard Jesus you know late February early March you start looking ahead. Once we hit February, we're going to start getting into uh, the uh, the Europa League knockout stages, and it just you start getting game, two games a week, and so things are going to get pretty crowded. And you just need somebody else to be able to play those positions. And, you know, because we're in the – we start talking about the knockout stages of the Europa League, this isn't like we can just roll out some of the players that we would have seen in, you know, in the in the group stages, sort of the right. bench players. You you really have to – because the, the competition will increase in, in quality, you really have to be willing to put in your – put in a better lineup if you can and so mm-hmm. it'll be very curious to see how arsenal prioritizes their competitions uh with the europa league and then also we'll see uh, how the fa cup goes right yeah, I'm, I'm interested to see that all transpiring too. see how that goes so uh any closing thoughts on the west ham match uh, just, you know, this was, you, you look ahead um, between West Ham, West Ham's probably the weakest team we're going to see 
in the league for the next month. Uh, just hmm. we'll mention this more obviously at the end, but we have we have Brighton coming up at the end of the week on on New Year's Eve, and then afterwards we have Newcastle. Uh, then in, in success, you know, Newcastle on January third, uh, who's currently in second as a top four team, and they have no European competitions to deal with. A uh, week afterwards, on the fifteenth, we get Tottenham. We get our first we're our game at Spurs, and then uh, we have Manchester United on the twenty second. So, uh, you know, this is it, as you look ahead to the schedule. Not that I was worried about it per se, but this is a game. It's really good that we took took the full points from because the schedule gets pretty yeah. tough pretty quickly. So that's interesting. We're playing teams for a second time. While there are still other teams we haven't played once yet, I'm thinking specifically of Manchester City, that's because of World Cup messing things up this year? Is that what's going on there? Well, no. In the case of Manchester City, we're not play- we're playing them later uh, because their game was one oh, that things had to get shuffled queen, around. Right? Yeah, they, in their case, we, were, we lost a game. I want to say it was PSV. We lost one of our Europa League games. And the only space we had in the schedule was a, we were supposed to play Manchester City in midweek. So they right. really kicked that one over to uh, they were willing to schedule later, which given how the season is shaping up, that looks like it's going to end up being a pretty massive game. We are scheduled to play City on Wednesday, February 15th. That's at home. And then at City on Wednesday, April 26th. I believe the one, the February one is the rescheduled game. I think we were supposed to play them at home. Mm-hmm. Uh, but uh, I don't remember that exactly. But yeah, that, that's okay. all getting shuffled around because of, so, because of that. So yeah, so during a normal season, you would play each team once before you play them a second time. Is that usually how it would go? Yes, you would play everyone. You play everybody. And the league is very simple, as we've talked about. You play everyone right. twice: once home, once away. And I, I do think, um, I do believe that Newcastle is uh, would be our. So we've played what seventeen? We've played seventeen games. Is that it so far? Uh, t- today was fifteen. Was fifteen. Today was fifteen. Sixteen. So Brighton will be sixteen. Newcastle seventeen. Um and City would be eighteen. There's a nineteenth in there somewhere. So there's someone else we haven't played. It's a little wonky. I think the World Cup is a big part of that though. All right. So moving on to some small questions. So you we had talked about during the World Cup how the feed that was being streamed to Fox or whoever, whatever partners all over the world was coming from FIFA. It was their stream, and maybe they'd add some graphics or something sometimes. Most of what we were seeing was provided by FIFA. You also mentioned when they show the lines being drawn that that's provided by VAR. It's provided by the Premier League. I was wondering when we're watching on Peacock or USA or NBC, whoever's got the Premier League match or on Paramount Plus for UEFA matches, how much of what we're seeing on the screen is provided by each of those leagues? Uh, that's an interesting question. I, I don't actually know. Um, okay. My my suspicion is it's because of the Premier League's sort of scope. My suspicion is they might have a – they might – gosh, I, I don't want to – actually, you know what? I don't want to speculate too much because I okay. really don't know. Um, I'll put a pin in it till next yeah, week. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. So, so what I'd say is it could very well be that there is a general Premier League feed, but then some of the major broadcasters like an NBC would get to have their own. I mean the reason the World Cup does it is, as we talked about 
because you you can't have 200 different country 200 different right. cameras uh they're covering the game and so one is one way to make it easier and we there are there are instances where you know the broadcasters have the opportunity to do selective editing there's stories coming about the about the way the uh the chinese were editing the world cup for example they hmm. they were on a delay to make sure uh certain things weren't shown what they were doing was they were editing out scenes that showed uh the the crowd in the stadium right because of and their covid policies exactly right? exactly and so there 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 are there are you can do certain things to that feed uh but um I, you know, I, I'm trying to think, partly because I can't, you know, because of geographic restrictions and whatnot. It's not as if I could pull up the feed from, <laughs> right. from, uh, you know, ITV or BBC, whoever's actually covering the game. I don't know. Right. The British, the British feed and compare. I mean, it, to a certain extent, it's not like there's that many different ways to cover one of these games. There's the general camera angle everyone, everyone expects. Uh, as we talk about VAR, what you're seeing is the officials of you um yep so uh, my suspicion is they have they have quite a quite some authority over it but i cannot say for certain exactly how that works okay yeah we'll we'll have to follow up on that one so it was funny you mentioned how we're seeing what the ref is seeing for the var and it was actually funny during today's match there was i think it was that one it was the handball call where michael oliver had to go over and look at the var screen the the camera angle showed him looking at the screen from behind so we could see the screen on half of what nbc or peacock whatever was was showing and then on the other side of the split screen we were seeing blown up like we were actually seeing the same footage and you could tell it was perfectly in sync that we really were seeing the live feed of whatever was being sent to his screen like if he wanted to rewind it and go back and forth and try and dissect mm-hmm. it we were seeing how he was manipulating which is really cool that you can do that it it is a uh it, it is a, a lot of um it it is kind of interesting and it does give you a sense of the way the call is going to go because you can really see what it is they're they're thinking about as right they're... what what part of it is he focusing in on yeah yeah so that that was interesting um one question this is from my long list from before we we started this show i noticed early on it seemed like so my my conception of soccer leg wear is you have your shin guards closest to your skin then you have your soccer socks over them which cover your feet and then roll up to your knee either a little bit above it or a little bit below it then you have your cleats it became clear pretty early on that at least arsenal i i don't really pay attention to other teams as much but at least arsenal it looks like they have white socks with red, basically leg warmers that extend from the ankle area, just above the cleats all the way up to their knees. Um, do you know why that is? Why they do it like that? Uh, no, the intricacies of socks are not quite, um, <laughs> it, it could be, it could well be the design of them as well. Um, I, I don't really take a close look at their socks too much. Um, they, they, some of them, I, I believe at that level, not all of them may well, may wear shin guards. I don't think, I don't know that they necessarily have to in the premier league. Hmm. Uh, but, but you'll see, you'll see some of them will have them, but you, you'll look and you'll sort of see them. They're very, very small, very thin kind of things. Mm-hmm. Uh, you'll see them fiddling with them now and again. I always find it kind of interesting that apparently because the socks are very tight, very constrictive. If you look on their calves, they've actually been deliberately torn open. There's like holes in there. 
And that's the talk about the helping their calves breathe a little bit. I was going to be asking about that too. That's also been on my list because I know certain players seem to always do it and they have different holes of different sizes that seem consistent for each yeah. player. Like they know how they like it, I guess. Well, I remember the first time I saw it and we, a couple of us were watching the game and you see it and it's, it looks like, it looks like they've been given like foul. Like, look at how, look at, he was obviously tackled <laughs> hard. Look at the holes in his socks. And then you sort of keep seeing it and you realize, oh, that's, that's by design he he did that on purpose right yeah for me i I had the same same thought like what is going on why does it why do the socks have holes and then the moment for me when i realized that it was intentional was i saw martinelli specifically walking onto the pitch before the match started and i saw the back of his leg i saw those holes by his calves so that's when i knew there was something else afoot or a calf or whatever the case may be so okay um, we did talk in one of our earlier episodes about the league logo being in the bottoms of a jersey numbers. Um, do you know where that came from? Who, when, when that started? Has that been around for decades or is that a more modern thing? And do you know why? That has certainly been around since I've been watching. So, okay. you know, I, I certainly started watching the Premier League 2006. So we're going on, you know, well over, you know, past 15 years at this point. I, I assume it's branding. Just one more place to stick the you know, the league logo, let you know who you're watching. And again, you sort of, you've seen this, they'll wear, they have, those are premier league numbers. Everyone in the premier league has the same style of numbers, but when they're playing a cup game or in the Europa league, you'll see them wearing a more unique custom made font uh, for the club. And some of them will have the the club's logo in there, or some, a lot of them will just be just plain, just the number without Mm -hmm. it in there. But that's a, that's a league thing. And you'll see it in other leagues too. Right. And the the last question I had on my list for this week is we, we've talked a lot about rain and whether or not it's raining during any given match. It's not always easy to tell. What I was wondering about is snow. Uh, so the Premier League being in England, th- they surely get snow some of the year and the roofs of the stadiums are open. If if it's snowing, do they play through the snow? And what do they, uh, may, and this may be beyond, <laughs> beyond your knowledge at hand, but what about snow accumulation on the field? The roofs of these stadiums are open. Does snow accumulate or the field's heated? So it doesn't, what, what do they do um, about snow? So some of the, some of the particulars there, I'm, I'm not necessarily sure about a part of what part of it is. It doesn't snow quite as much in, hmm. in the UK as it does in the United States. I have heard of instances where games are canceled for snow and it's not so much the snow as just when it snows that much in an area, it causes all sorts of other problems. The roads are in rough shape. You have to plow and all those kinds of things. And so a sporting event kind of takes back seats, especially if you're not sure the players can even get to the stadium safely. Sure. So you will on occasion have things like that. Uh, as far as the game, if, if they've determined the game can go on, um, they'll play through a lot. I have seen games called off for rain as in the fields haven't drained properly. Oh, okay. So there's the, yeah, but it is one of those, if they're in the stadium, they're, they're going to try to play, especially, especially as we talked about a year like this year where there are, you know, it, it, the, the schedule is so congested. There really aren't a lot. I mean, the queen's death kind of review, you know, demonstrated that there's just no place to stick all of these games. Right. Um, and so it's it's it creates an interesting challenge. I, I I've sent you a link. Um, put this up. Obviously, international soccer is a little bit different. But in 2013, 
uh, the U.S. national team played a, a World Cup qualifier against Costa Rica. It was in um, Commerce City, Colorado, so a suburb hmm. of Denver. And it's, it is known in history as the Snow Classico because <laughs> it snowed substantially during the game. Uh, the Costa Ricans have complained vociferously about it. Um, I have thoughts about that that we can't repeat on a family-friendly podcast. But uh, <laughs> the, the, uh, the U.S. and Costa Rica played a World Cup qualifier in what was some pretty heavy snowfall. And you can see it. They, they plow the field a little bit before the start of the game. Uh, but obviously it keeps snowing and, uh, it was, uh, it was a lot of fun to watch, you know, yeah. snow, ga- snow games are a lot of fun to watch uh, in huh. any sport, in any sport, really. Yeah. Uh, but you can definitely see the impact that it has on the, on the, on gameplay. Um, and then I should point out earlier this year, the U S played there, the U S played a qualifier, uh, in, it was the beginning of February, the beginning of March, they played in minnesota which is an outdoor stadium now it didn't mm-hmm. snow and actually it wasn't quite as cold as they expected it would be but it was still you know it, it was still quite cold you know playing an outdoor sport they played their previous qualifier in canada um in, <laughs> in hamilton ontario which is an outdoor stadium yeah. so yeah it's um you know you can do it but it it, it really depends a lot on what the local expectations are you generally don't see that kind of snowfall like you know you'll watch the video you're not going to see that kind of snowfall in in the uk too much it just doesn't do that very often Hmm. whereas so when it does obviously the same thing with within the u.s and certain parts of the country where it doesn't snow very often snowfall can cause a lot of problems uh it can cause a lot of problems in many places obviously i know you're you're still in new york obviously there are times when it snows a lot and it's, it's it's trouble um but you know, in a country or part of the country or part of the world where that doesn't happen as much, your expectations about what's acceptable are just a little different, right? I mean, really, it is a, it is a determination of the people. The you know, usually league officials are involved, but certainly the referees and to some extent the teams as well. What do you consider acceptable to play, and what do you think can be played? And certainly, if both teams and the referee agree to play, well, then they're going to play. Yeah. That oh, makes sense. That's good. So, all right. Questions answered. Uh, do you want to tell us what's up for next week? Sure. So uh, we have just one game coming up in the next week. Things get tight after that, but our one game, New Year's Eve, uh, Arsenal goes to Brighton and Hove Albion. Uh, it, two names, one team <laughs> um, down on the uh, at Brighton, which is a, not an easy place to go. Brighton is a pretty solid team. Uh, the, their manager actually left them earlier this season to go take over Chelsea and yet they have continued to play well uh, having since lost him. So Brighton is Brighton could very well, this could be a much tougher game than West Ham. Uh, good to pick up the points against uh, the hammers and hopefully <laughs> we can keep it going against uh, the seagulls. Yeah. All right. Looking forward to it. Well, thanks for joining us at Gooner U. We're on Apple Podcasts and Spotify and some other places, and we always appreciate you subscribing to our show and sharing it with friends. If you want to listen the night we record, you can become a Gooner U superfan on Apple Podcasts to download a raw, unedited recording right away. Again, my name is Dove, and you can find me on Twitter at Dove Frankel. The spelling is in the show notes. With me, as always, is Keith, and you can find him in a pub watching Arsenal matches once more. Bye, Keith. All right. Happy New Year. Happy New Year.